to Walk in the Truth podcast. How do we know where to find answers to the toughest questions in life? While the simplest answer is the Bible, where do we start this search and how do we discover this truth? Today, in this teaching podcast, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, takes a specific text of the Bible and helps us find truth for the life we're searching for. take our Bibles this morning, if you have them, and uh, turn to the book of Psalms, right there in the middle of your whole book. Just open it up, the book of Psalms, the 23rd Psalm today. How many of you know this 23rd Psalm by memory? You think you know it by memory. Would you raise your hand? I thought I'd get most of the hands in this room because that is one of the favorite Psalms of all time. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 23 from the perspective of leading well, a deeper view of leading. By the way, this is the last message in our Out of the Shell series that really focused on relationships. And we begin next week in John 14, 15, and 16, where we'll start a ministry called the Holy Spirit, uh, talking about what Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to be in our lives and how the activity of the Holy Spirit is still relevant and powerful today. So uh, look ahead to next week in that. Please stand with me as we read Psalm 23 together and as we look at what the Bible says about a deeper view of leading. Psalm 23. Beginning in verse 1, I'm using the New American Standard Version, which is also under some of your seat uh, backs, your seat holders for the Bibles. And uh, here's what it says in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's got that amazing, familiar feel, doesn't it? It's got a comforting kind of... uh, tone to it as you read the 23rd Psalm. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard this uh, Psalm read, and sometimes it's in church services, sometimes at funerals. I've heard it read in football locker rooms. I mean, just about everywhere, the 23rd Psalm is something that speaks to us and resonates with us, and I want us to look at today from the perspective of leadership. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, show us all we need to know today from the 23rd Psalm. Show us what we need to know about you, our Father, our great shepherd. Lord, I am so grateful that you are who you say you are. I'm so grateful that the words of Psalm 23 bring great comfort, great encouragement, even in the darkest times of life. You're our great shepherd leading us through. Father, thank you for affirming that to us. Thank you for being you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. Well, our, our series on, on relationships has been uh, six weeks long, and we've looked at different things. Last week, it was about serving one another. And I made the statement last week that good leadership, um, being a servant, is practically synonymous. When we talk about serving and leading, we ought to be talking about it uh, in the same sentence, because every good leader is a good servant, and uh, everyone that serves well understands leadership really well. Uh, it's important for us to have that picture in front of us. You know, over the years, uh, I uh, have been a fan of reading books on leadership. 
I remember going to seminary way back when, almost 40 years ago now, and coming out with a pretty good understanding of what the Bible said, but when it came to pastoring a church or leading people, I didn't feel like I had all the instruction I needed. I thought there were some things that I really needed to learn, and so I bought book after book after book on leadership. I have whole uh, sets of leadership volumes from John Maxwell and other leaders of various eras. I've read church leadership. I've, I've read corporate leadership, business leadership, family leadership, just about every kind of leadership book that you can imagine I have read at some point or summarized at some point or, or tried to put in my life in some way. But at the end of it all, there is no perfect model for leadership. There is no perfect plan for how to lead, but there is a perfect person who exemplifies what leadership is all about, and that the Lord in Psalms 23, and later on, Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So I want us to look at Psalm 23 today, not just as a comforting psalm for each of us who count the Lord as our shepherd, and it will be comforting to you, but at the same time, I want us to look at that from the perspective of how can we be like the Lord in how we interact with other people around us? Psalm 23 is a picture of perfect leadership in the sense of the Lord himself is perfect. He's divine. And in every way, he meets our needs in ways that we don't even know sometimes. Psalm 23 is a reminder, and one of the reasons we love Psalm 23 is because it reminds us that we really need a shepherd. We really need someone to help us with the things in life. And we need somebody that's not distant. We need somebody that's not insensitive to what we're going through in life. We need someone that's with us and is aware of everything we're going through. We need a shepherd, and we have the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd is how this begins. And by the way, if you aspire to lead, and we all ought to aspire to lead well, whether it's leading as a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, whether it's leading in the church environment, the kingdom environment, the business place, whatever organization you're a part of, we ought to aspire to lead after the pattern of the very best leader ever, and that is the Lord himself. So I'm going to give you some things out of Psalm 23 today that I hope will be helpful for you. Three very clear, simple points. Because Psalm 23 is simple, just a few verses, and yet profound in how it can impact us. First of all, I want you to notice the perfect example. It begins in verse 1, giving us the perfect example. David is authoring this psalm. David was a shepherd, later to become a king. And he says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, David begins this by stating the same thing two different ways. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's two ways of saying the same thing. He is perfect in his leadership. He leads so well, there's nothing I could possibly want. There's nothing missing from how he leads me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yes. Now, let me just say this statement because I think it's important. Great leaders ought to hold great examples of leadership in front of them. They ought to hold great examples of leadership in front of them. All of us aspire to be great leaders. None of us should claim that we're great leaders. All of us should have the picture of the perfect leader in front of us, and that would be the Lord. Yes. Now, last week we were in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus was talking to his disciples about leadership. I remember what James and John said to Jesus, Lord, let us be on the right hand and left hand of you when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said, well, you have the wrong pattern of leadership in front of you, the wrong example of leadership in front of you. And he said this in Mark 10, 42 and 43. He said, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but it is not this way among you. In other words, don't have the wrong pattern or model of leader in front of you, or you'll move in a different direction than you should be. Instead of that, keep the best leader in front of you, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus later on in John chapter 10 said to these disciples, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Can you agree with me today that Jesus is the perfect leader? Say amen if you agree with that. He's the perfect leader. There is no way that there could be a person possibly improve on the leadership of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep. And all through the Bible, the picture, the very vivid imagery of a shepherd and sheep are brought to us to help us understand something about this great shepherd and his leading of us. You know, when it comes to Shepherd and sheep, there's all kinds of analogies that help us, all kinds of stories and pictures that will help us understand uh, how it works. But the truth is that sometimes thinking about leadership as being a shepherd of sheep seems out of touch with modern technology, out of touch with uh, current leadership principles or leadership examples. But the reason that this great model of leadership modeled by the perfect example of Jesus Christ is so relevant is because it touches on human nature that does not change. Ultimately, leadership is about leading people. Leadership is about helping people and serving people. And of course, Jesus was the master of that. The Lord is my shepherd talks about God himself. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So this is a powerful picture of what we need to be aware of. By the way, Jesus frequently talked about people as being like sheep. Now, just for those of you that are not too aware of what sheep are, uh, that is not really a compliment that he calls us sheep, right? We're aware that when he calls us sheep, he's talking about animals that everyone knew were prone to really need a shepherd. For example, the parable of the lost sheep, the one running away, hiding, being lost, and the shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one says that that one was missing it somehow, and the good shepherd had to go get him. It's pretty humbling to be called sheep by Jesus. It says we need help. That's what it says. So how many of you were ever raised around sheep? Would you raise your hand if you were raised around sheep? Nobody in the room was raised around sheep, or you were sheepish in letting me know that you were raised around sheep in some way. Let me tell you about shepherds and sheep. Sheep are helpless and cannot survive without a good shepherd. They don't have good eyesight and they don't hear well. They're heavy creatures and they move at a painstakingly slow pace. No one ever says they're as fast as sheep. They're easily frightened and confused. They're dumb. They follow one another into dangerous spots and have been known to follow other sheep off of cliffs. No one ever says they're as smart as sheep. They have no weapons. They have no sharp teeth. They have no camouflage. They have no claws, no sharp hoofs. They can't make intimidating sound. Bah, never scared a wolf off, not once. No sounds that would scare anything off. And the reason we have this simple picture of sheep and shepherds is that sheep need shepherds. They need someone watching them. Jesus is making this point about us as human beings. 
He's making the point about people. People need shepherds. Now, remember, David is the psalmist that wrote this, and David was an incredible shepherd of sheep. That's how he was working and serving when God selected him to be king of Israel. So he learned the lessons about shepherding and then took them on to become king of all Israel. The New Testament holds out for us a pattern of leadership based on sheep and shepherds. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, Shepherd the flock of God among you, and one day the chief shepherd will appear with your reward. So let's just get this in our mind. The perfect model for leadership is the model of Jesus, the good shepherd. Keep that in front of you, if you will. Everything that we do today needs to be based on how Jesus led. And it's helpful to know that even though we ought to aspire, we want, ought to want to be great leaders, we'll never take the place of Jesus Christ. He is irreplaceable. Earthly leaders are simply people who follow his example. And if we do it well, we point people to Jesus and we take care of them in many, many ways. However imperfectly we lead, he's got to be our example. So let me just say this. Everybody in the room has the opportunity to follow this great leader, this great example, Jesus Christ. And the way you father your children, the way you are a mother to your kids, the way you interact with brothers and sisters, not only in your immediate biological family, but in the body of Christ. And the way you interact with people, if you're a church leader, if you lead a small group, you lead a, a class of some kind, or whether you're in the corporate world and you, you pay attention to the needs of those that are in your employ, whatever it is, however it is, when you have this example of Jesus Christ in front of you, you are in touch with human nature and are able to meet those needs in an amazing way after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we have a perfect example in front of us. So no matter how many books you read, make sure you read the Bible enough to know, all right, in all these other examples of leadership, here is one that rises above them all. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Secondly, I want you to notice the caring heart. The caring heart. Psalm 23 immediately goes to how caring and how loving and how sensitive this particular shepherd is who is the Lord. You know, most leaders have certain principles of leadership that they kind of prioritize. I mean, I'm sure many in this room will have what I have, files, maybe summaries of books you've read or points that you've taken that says, you know, here's what I need to do to be a good leader or here's, here's what I need to do to be a good parent. Uh, here, here's how I can lead my, my little league sports team or whatever it is we might be doing. We have these certain principles. But when you look at the way of Jesus' life and model that he gives us, then care and kindness are always present, always present. No matter what he was dealing with, no matter how difficult the circumstance was, care and kindness were a big part of what Jesus did. It was what he felt, what he said, what he expressed, and how he interacted with them. And that picture is what I want to hold before you today. Psalm 23 highlights the big rocks of leadership. Let me name the four of them. Feeding, leading, restoring, protecting. Feeding, leading, restoring, protecting. Now, already there are, are probably people in, in, in the congregation today that say, well, these are kind of out of touch with modern corporate world. And the reality is modern corporate world is out of touch with real principles of leading. Jesus knew the human heart. He knew what helped people and what inspired people, what helped them get to the next level of their lives. 
And these things were part of that feeding, leading, restoring, and protecting. This is really a big picture look at that perfect leader, Jesus Christ. Now let's look, look at these lines one at a time because these lines really need to mean something to us when it comes to this caring model that we have, this caring heart. First of all, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now I love this picture, and I think most of us have seen the picture of sheep on a hillside, and uh, they're lying down, and you see the beautiful green pastoral setting, and these sheep are at peace. Normally, in, in such a picture, there should be a shepherd standing nearby because his presence is what these sheep need in order to be comfortable, to be full, uh, and to be safe. So that's an important thing. Sheep don't lay down until they're full. So when they're not standing and leaning over and eating the grass, they've already eaten, they're already full, and the picture is that this great shepherd has fed his flock and now they're lying down, they're full, and they're satisfied. The shepherd feeds the flock. It's a picture of contentment, a picture of safety. You can lie down now because I'm in the field with you and you are full, the shepherd says. Now in that analogy, the sheep have been physically fed. In human leadership, people are taken care of. In family and church, they've been brought to feed on spiritual food. They have all the spiritual nourishment they need. They have all the instruction they need from the Word of God. They have all the security they need to be able to be at peace, to be able to lie down in the so-called field of our lives. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's about feeding and nourishing those that you lead. Next, it says, he leads me beside still water. Now, I didn't know this, but in my study of sheep and shepherding, I learned that sheep will not drink out of water that's rushing. They won't step into a stream that's moving at any speed at all. They'll panic. They'll be afraid. They'll worry about what they're trying to do. And so it's really important to lead them beside the still water. And so get this picture. These sheep have been physically fed, and now this leader is leading them to the place where they are beside still waters. And he's leading them to that place. He's not driving them that way. The emphasis here is on him leading them to the place where the waters are quiet, where they can drink and be fully nourished in that water as well. Sometimes that meant that the shepherd had to dam up a stream on both sides, on one side to keep it from rushing in, the other side to keep it in. And that still water he created through his hard labor meant that they could actually get that still water right there where it was at one point a rushing stream. Other, other times, the shepherd had just to go as far as he needed to go to find the quiet water and then lead them to that quiet water. And again, the emphasis is the shepherd leads. He must go ahead. Amen. Jesus in John chapter 10 talked about himself being the great shepherd. Uh, in that in that John 10 passage, he talks about how he led them. In verses 3, 4, and 5, the Bible says, And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Recently, someone sent me a great video of uh, a shepherd uh, over in the hills of Great Britain somewhere. I think it might have been Ireland and, or Scotland, one of those places. And he was actually the shepherd giving a tour of several uh, people who were wanting to see the sheep that he owned on the hillside that they were grazing on. 
And apparently he allowed each of them to cry out in order to call those sheep, try to get their attention, try to get them to come. And two or three of them gave it an effort. They would get up uh, at the fence side and they would call out to the sheep. They would do various kinds of calls or whistles or uh, sing-song kind of approach to get those sheep to look. But not one of those sheep raised its head and looked at them, much less did any of them move their way. They were probably 100 yards away or more. And finally, after this demonstration, the shepherd himself got up to the fence and he called to them in this little sing-song kind of voice and, uh, and they recognized him one at a time, raised their head, and before long, one of them began to slowly walk his way, then another, then another. Before long, all of them were kind of trotting the way of the shepherd. Perfect illustration of what Jesus says here in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and they, they follow me. It's a picture of knowing the shepherd well enough, and the shepherd knowing the sheep well enough, so that they're confident they will listen to him and respond to him. In further reading, I learned that sheep and shepherds have this unique relationship. For example, the sheep can all be asleep at night, lying on a field, and the shepherd can actually walk through the sheep and not frighten them because they know his gait. He does it enough where they are confident. But let one strange person walk among them, and they become panicky. They become uh, alert and, and frightened because they don't recognize that gait. I also read that when sheep come together at a common watering hole, as many as four or five flocks of sheep can gather together, hundreds of sheep there, and never become confused because when one shepherd is ready to lead them in the direction they need to go, he just goes that way and turns back and calls them. And the only sheep that will follow him are his sheep, and none of them will stay for the voice of another shepherd. Look at all that pictures that, 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 that human nature give us about this great leadership that Jesus Christ gives us, that the Lord God being our shepherd gives us. Yes. It says, he knows the sheep, and the sheep know them, Amen. enough to be trusted. This past week, as I looked at several resources for what it means to be good leaders like Jesus led, one, one book summarized Jesus' leadership into four different principles. And I love these four principles because they are all connected with this idea of being present with the sheep as the shepherd is. There's four things that Jesus did in interacting with everyone that followed him. First of all, he saw potential in them. He saw potential in them. He didn't see that they were perfect. He didn't care that they were perfect. He saw potential in them because he, he knew them well. Secondly, he forgave them. Jesus forgave those that did not follow him well. Even those that nailed him to the cross, he forgave them. Forgiveness is a big issue. Amen. He served them well. And by serving them, they began to be confident in him. And the last part is he gave grace in every situation. Amen. He gave grace. He saw potential. He forgave. He served. He gave grace. And I think about what environment can you do all those things? It's in the environment where you are actually with the sheep and the sheep are with you where they know you, where they are aware of you, and you are aware of them. So leadership is about being present, being fully in tune as much as possible with those that you lead. It's not from a distance. It's not while you're multitasking a number of other things, but it's really being focused on the flock itself. Look at the next line. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The word restore has to do with turning back and getting back on the right path. Amen. 
The shepherd will always be concerned about that. And the parable of the lost sheep is so memorable because one of these sheep got so far away from the flock that the shepherd had to leave the 99 in order to get to all the others. And it's also memorable because it's so easy for us to wander. There's no song we used to sing a lot, prone to wander, Lord. I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And we might as well say, prone to leave the shepherd I love. But aren't you glad the shepherd comes after you when you wander? Anybody ever had the shepherd come after you when you've wandered? Aren't you glad that he cares enough to convict you, come somehow reach out to you, somehow bring you back? He restores my soul. Good leadership means we do everything we can to restore the relationships, to restore the souls of people around us. And sometimes that's a gentle restoration. And sometimes we have to do it over and over again. Now, again, I'm not a guy that was raised around sheep, but there's a lot of great videos out there. YouTube is one of my favorite channels, folks. (laughs) And I saw one channel on uh, YouTube where a shepherd was going after one particular sheep that fell into a large crevice in the ground. That he'd fallen so far into that crevice, about the only thing you could see is that sheep's ears, so to speak, and, and, and his head. And so this shepherd walked over to that crevice, got everything he could to get that sheep out, put him over on the side so he was safe again, turned for just a moment, and when he turned, the sheep jumped back into the crevice. <laughs> I saw that, and I thought, man, that's just like me sometimes. God pulls me out of danger, and I jump right back in. Man, that's why I need a shepherd so bad. I don't know why you need one, but I need a shepherd really badly. I also, over the years, saw a a picture, an artist's rendition of uh, a shepherd who might be portrayed as Jesus or Jesus the shepherd is what the artist was depicting. And he had a lamb around around his shoulders, and he was holding the back legs with his hand, the front legs with his hand, and there was a, some sort of a little wrapping around the back leg of the sheep, and, and it showed a picture of the shepherd that loved the sheep so much that if the sheep was so rebellious, he would break the leg of the sheep, actually, and then carry him until it was healed just to teach the sheep to stick close to the shepherd. And I, at times, have felt like that sheep as well, where the Lord had to kind of break my leg and slow me down and then walk with me more carefully. Now, what does that say to you if it doesn't say that he loves you so much that he restores your soul? He restores your soul, restores back to fellowship with him, back to fellowship with other people. Now, obviously, when it comes to human leadership, that it's not quite as simple as sheep and shepherds. But the action of the shepherd is what we always keep in mind. No matter how complicated life is, how complicated family is, how complicated organizations are, it's so important for us to have the heart of a shepherd, the heart of care. They will never replace the great shepherd, but we can emulate the great shepherd in all that we do. Jesus cared for the flock so much. I continues to care for the flock that he equips us to be good shepherds of one another in the body of Christ. And we're all called to mimic Jesus in this idea of being a good shepherd. Can you rise to that call? Can you look around and care and love people around you enough to say, I want to mimic the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the third thing that Psalm chapter 23 brings me, and that is the enduring dedication I love this part of Psalm 23. You know, when you read verses 1 through 3, everything's pastoral, it's green, it's watery, it's wonderful, the sheep are lying down, 
Uh, it's just really, really calming. But when you read verses 4, 5, and 6, the, the rest of it is pretty gritty. Yeah. You've got words like death, evil, yeah. enemies. I mean, it moves from being a really easy Saturday afternoon to a really, really rough Saturday night. It moves from being a time of tranquility to a time of, of difficulty. And when you read the, ver the last three verses, verses 4, 5, and 6 of Psalm chapter 23, you have to come to the conclusion that not only is he there for us during good times, he's there to help protect us during difficult times. Because life is difficult, right? Your life ever difficult? Do you ever need the good shepherd, not just to be one that comforts you, but one that actually rescues you and helps you in ways you can't even imagine until that kind of thing happens to you? The Lord is there for us, David says. Look at the lines. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that emphasis there is so big, the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. I hate to break this to you, but I think most of you know by now it's not a secret. You're, you're not going to have an easy life all the time. Does that surprise anybody in the room? I didn't think it did. You're not going to have an easy life 365. It's just not like that. Life's not like that. And you live in a world, that world won't let it be like that, right? There are all kinds of people that look to prey on you just like a wolf seeks to prey on a sheep. That's just the way it, the way it is. But because of that reality, we desperately need a shepherd who has an enduring dedication to us in good times and bad times. Right. The valley of the shadow of death is an alarming picture of, Dave, uh, of danger. And David was a warrior king. First he was a shepherd, then anointed to be king, but then a warrior king. Always at battle. It's not hard for a guy that's at war all the time to use the phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean he's died, but what it does mean is he sees death all around him. And day after day, David saw death all around him. And yet he said, in the midst of all that, I won't be afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. My shepherd is there with me every step of the way. And I love this part of Psalm because basically the good shepherd promises that he won't leave us during the difficult times. And all through the New Testament, Jesus is saying this. He's reminding us of this all the time. I'm with you even to the end of the age. He says in Matthew chapter 28 as he sends his disciples out. He says in, uh, in Romans chapter 15, I'm not leaving you as orphans. He said that in John 14 as well. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be there. He says, I'm going to be with you and even that Beyond that, I'm going to be in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, 5 is one of those great verses where it says five times, I will never, 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 never forsake you ever. All through the Bible, he promises us that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have anything to be afraid of because your great shepherd is there with you at every step of the way. Amen. I love the encouragement of this. I love it. I'm glad I don't have to go through that alone. The leader that follows that example is there and not absent during tough times in the lives of those around him. There's another line here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
And I also love that because it gives me the reminder that even when surrounded by enemies, the Good Shepherd feeds us and nourishes us, even in the hardest of times. Even when we can't even think about taking care of ourselves, He's taking care of us because He's bringing us through those tough times and not leaving us in those tough times. Remember when the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness? And God prepared a table for them every day by letting manna fall down from heaven. He fed them in the middle of the wilderness, surrounded by enemies. He gave them water to drink out of a rock in the middle of their wilderness wanderings. It's just amazing how God has provided for us in every way, no matter how difficult the moments. And this is the equivalent of saying, my God shall apply every need that you have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. No matter what's going on, your shepherd sees and knows and will take care of you. When I read the psalm, I was reminded of some of the times when I felt closest to the Lord, where I felt his presence with me, maybe more than at easy times or normal times. And it's been during those times when I felt like I was in the presence of my enemies, when I felt like I was the, at the tip of the spear and felt like things were going badly. And when I look back at those times, I realized, man, God was at work. He was calming me. He was reassuring me. He was leading me. And then as I look back on all those times, I realized he was acting on my behalf in ways I did not see at that moment. Let me just impress upon you. The work of the Good Shepherd means that he doesn't always tell you what he's doing to protect you, but he's always protecting you. He doesn't always hold the wolf up so you can see the wolf because that might frighten you even more. But when he holds the wolf up, it means he's taking care of the wolf. And you don't have to deal with it. And that's why David was able to say, at a look back in this life, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I won't be afraid because he is with me. And even in the presence of my enemies, he has prepared a table before me. He's going to take care of me in good times and bad times. He won't leave me. He won't run from me. I'll never be alone with this shepherd. He will take care of me. Hallelujah. I think we ought to pause long enough at least just to think. A thought of gratitude for the God that really lives us out in your life. These are not just poetic words. These are accurate descriptions of the God who loves us. The God who is there. The God who will never, ever leave us and will never forsake us. Look at what else it says in verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David is saying this. Right on up to the place of eternity, his goodness of character, his mercy that he's shown me, he'll continue to show me because it's who he is. I love those lines because those lines remind me that God's character is always good. His mercy is always turned on. He's always going to show mercy, always going to show me his goodness of character. He's always going to live out his character in my life. He's not unpredictable. He's not one that, that we can't trust, I can't know. He shows us who he is and says, follow me. I'm with you the whole way. Amen. How's God going to respond to me 10 years from now? With his goodness and mercy. How's he going to respond to me after I fall in some way, sin in some way? With his goodness and mercy. How's he going to respond when enemies come against me, when I'm stabbed with a spear of some kind? With his goodness and mercy, because that's who God is. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
That's how this ends. I, I love the fact that this comes all the way to eternity. Though David, who should have known a lot less about eternity than we know today, because we have had Christ tell us about eternity. We have the New Testament with all the revelations of fall and eternity and the book of Revelation and all the things in the end. We know so much. But here's David way back at that day saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, as a human being, was saying, I will live forever with this God because this God is going to take care of me in eternity. Now, if David can have that kind of confidence, and if that confidence helped him through the tough times of his life, why does the promise of eternity not help us during the tough times of our lives? I mean, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever as well, won't you? So here's this amazing promise about eternity, that this great shepherd not only takes care of us in good times and bad times, at meal times and other times, but we'll see his goodness all the days of our lives and we'll dwell with him in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. If you go back to John 10, towards the end of John 10, where Jesus has said, I'm the good shepherd, he talks about eternity. And in verse 27 through 29, he says this about eternity. Some of the best verses in the scripture about eternal life and some of the most reassuring doctrinal verses about eternal life as well. Here's what it says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Man, I absolutely love that text because that text tells me that my shepherd... Once I answer his call, holds me and helps me all the way to the end and through the end to the other side. Amen. And no one can take me away from this good shepherd. No wolf, no false teacher, no failure on the part of myself as a sheep will never remove me from the hands of this good shepherd. Amen. Man, if that doesn't reassure you, I don't know what will. If that doesn't help you know that God is for you and has plans for you, then that I don't know what I can say to help you know your life is secured by the hands and the heart of this good shepherd, exemplified in the Lord Jesus Christ, mimicked and mirrored by human beings who want to lead like him, and we should mimic and, and follow his example. But all we're doing is pointing to the great, great leader who loves you with a whole heart as your great Shepherd. Amen. You know, I don't know how many of you today have answered the call of that good shepherd, but I want to end this message today by encouraging you to answer the call of this great shepherd. But before I give that invitation, I just want to make a, a kind of a statement, a remark. You know, I can get all the way to the bottom of this message and say, you know, you didn't really talk much, Pastor, about all the different things a person can do to be a leader. And no, you're not going to walk away with 10 leadership principles today, and I hope you don't. But I hope you walk away with one outstanding example of what a leader really looks like. And that is your leader, the Lord is my shepherd. Have you answered the call that the shepherd gives you? The call to eternal life? The call that says, come to me? 
and I'll give you forgiveness of sin, and I'll give you the gift of eternal life, and I will be your good shepherd. If you've never made that decision, I need you to know today, you don't become a sheep in the flock of the great shepherd until you answer his call. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Have you heard his voice? Do you want to follow him? Are you listening to what he says? I want to give you three invitations today. The first one is, at the end of our service, in just a moment after prayer, there are two decision stations that are at the back. They're very conveniently located. Those standing behind the tables there would love to answer any questions about what it means to hear the voice of the shepherd and, and follow him. And they want to help you make that decision to put your trust, your life, your faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to make that decision today. The second decision is I want to invite you to come to our guest reception room or out see the center exit doors. And uh, right across the hallway, there's a glass room there. I would love to meet with you and talk to you about what it means to be a part of Cross City Church, to give you some details about that. Third invitation is come back next week as we kick off the series called The Holy Spirit. And if you want to do a little homework before then, read John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is preparing his disciples with the most important teaching about understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. Hope to see you next week. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, my prayer today is that we will walk out of here knowing that we are well shepherded by you, the chief shepherd. Father, I want to thank you so much for that picture, that image. Because, Lord, when I am inadequate, insufficient, I know that you are able. And that's true of all of us. Father, I pray today that there will be those that hear the call of the shepherd on their lives and respond to you. Father, I pray today that you will use this imagery in our minds all week long, this psalm resonating in our spirit. Lord, restore our soul. Help us know you're there. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.